0: Jesus had an interesting encounter with nothing other than a legion of demons. The demons was there and they they told him, Don't send us to the pit, but rather. Instead of torturing us, send us to these pigs. And Jesus, with a wave of his hand and demons left the man and entered the pigs. And the pigs ran over the hill into the water and they all drowned. And the people came out and chased Jesus away. But why did he go about it this way? Why, what was the reasoning of why he casted these demons into pigs? Why was it pigs and why didn't he just cast them out? In this video, we're going to explore the motivations of Jesus, of why he cast them into pigs, as well as we're going to talk about demons and how they work, why they wanted themselves and desire to go into pigs as well. We read about this story in Luke chapter 8. Luke 8 verse 27. When Jesus had stepped out of land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. And when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told in the city and the country. And the people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at, the, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people from the surrounding country of the Garrisones asked him to depart from them. For they were seized with great fear, so he got into the boat and returned. Before we can understand the motivation of Jesus and why he sent these demons into the pigs, we first need to answer the question of why did the demons desire to go into the pigs? We read how they begged him to let them enter these, so Jesus gave them permission. Now, to better understand it, we need to understand that an unclean spirit, also known as a demon, loves uncleanliness. It's kind of an obvious thing. They love that which is unclean. You see, a demon feeds on fear, on lust and on our sin. That is what they live and live for and pursue. And when we look at a pig, and we look at God's definition of what a pig is, according to Leviticus, God defines the pig as an unclean animal. A pig is a scavenger. A pig actually goes and eats the the anything. If a pig would eat a snake, they would be poisoned, they would eat um even other pigs, they would eat anything they can find. They were they are like a garbage can that has feet and walks around and eats what it finds. And in the same way, that's what a demon does. It feeds its sca- It's like a scavenger. It feeds on death, just like a pig. And the demons desire to dwell a place of death. You see, I inhabit a host of death An unclean spirit loves to indwell an unclean animal. It's quite simple. And in Revelation, we actually read about how these unclean spirits are characterized as unclean animals. There is a clear connection made in Revelation in between these two. We see in Revelation 16, verse 13, And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits as frogs. For they are spirits of demons doing signs which go out to the sovereigns of the entire world to gather them to the battle of the great day of Yahweh the Almighty. You see, a frog is also an unclean animal. And in this passage, we see how these unclean spirits are characterized as the unclean animal of a frog. But all this doesn't really answer the question of why Jesus casted the demons into pigs. Why didn't he just cast them out into into the abyss? But why did he give them permission to do what they wanted to do? You see, Jesus had a plan behind all of this. See, Yeshua knows the Torah very well, the law of God. You know, like Leviticus, where an unclean animal has been defined by God as being an abomination. And so what Jesus did is... He caused the demons into the pigs and then he knew the pigs would go and kill themselves. The demons took the pigs and they ran into the waters and they drowned all these pigs. Guys, we are talking about a large herd of animals. We are talking about a food supply of the people of the day. You see, in these people that the, these pigs belonged to, they obviously ate these pigs. These pigs were part of their livestock. And Yeshua did this. To get rid of their pigs. But why would Yeshua do this? He knew what would happen. Why would he get rid of their pigs? Because see, Yeshua was rebuking them in this way. In this action, he was getting rid of all of their unclean food. He, God came in Leviticus and he instructed his people. He said, these, he set food apart for us. He said, this. These are the things which are clean to you to eat. These are the foods or the things that you can consider food. The animals that you can consider food. And these are things that you can't consider food. These are things that God in his words actually says, These are an abomination to me. And see, Jesus himself actually was obedient to his father's instructions. He was obedient to the law of God. Because in 1 John 3 verse 4 we read, Sin is the transgression of the law. We know that Jesus never sinned. And so for him to be perfectly obedient to his father's law, he had to be obedient to everything, including the laws of Leviticus and how he ate. You see, Jesus never touched an unclean animal in, to eat it. He ne- Because if he did, he would be in sin. Because like we said, sin is breaking the law of God. So what is this law that Jesus is, what we're talking about here? In Leviticus, here we read Leviticus 11, Verse seven, and the pig, because it parts the hoof and is cloven-footed, but does not chew the cud, is unclean to you. You shall not eat any of its flesh, and you shall not touch their carcasses. They are unclean to you. It actually says, they are an abomination to you. Of their flesh you do not eat, and their carcass you do not abominate. You see, many would argue that the reason God gave these instructions to Israel or the followers of God is, to, is because God wanted them to just be different from the nations. And while yes, that is true, God wants his people to be set apart or holy, different from the nations. But the reason wasn't simply a cultural one to be separate. The reason was more because God considered unclean animals an abomination to them to eat. You see, and they were simply, these animals were simply not created to be eaten by people. And God knew this. God is in fact the creator of the universe. And he knows that those, the things that he made to eat death, he does not want us to eat them. And simply same, the same thing. Yeshua, Jesus, knew this and he taught his disciples the same thing. None of the disciples, the apostles, ever ate unclean food. We actually see this with Peter in his vision. He tells God, Lord, but I have never eaten or touched anything that is unclean or common. So we see that this Jesus and his disciples are obedient to the law. And so Jesus was simply getting rid of, these, of the unclean food that these people are eating. And that eating, in the way that they're eating them, they're actually sinning against God. They're doing what is God calls in Leviticus an abomination. And so Jesus... Is getting rid of these pigs by the demons. He kind of solved two issues at once by one, number one, causing out the demon, and number two, getting rid of these pigs, which these people used wrongly. But what about the New Testament? I mean, you know, we have all been taught that unclean food is no longer unclean. Jesus came to do away with that, so we can now eat whatever we want, and Jesus is not being concerned is not concerned of that anymore. Let's look at that for a second. In this video, I want to take you through every verse that seems to be indicating that. And we're going to talk about it And we're going to see, is that what God says? Or is it what He doesn't say? You see, I want to remind you in Matthew about, about Jesus' very own words. Jesus opens Matthew 5 with how he, with the Torah and the prophets. He talks about the law of God. He says, don't think. Don't let anyone deceive you to think that I have come to abolish one jot or tittle of my father's law. I've not come to throw it out. I came to bring it fullness of meaning, to fulfill it. You see, that word fulfilled is pleru in the Greek, and it means to bring fullness of meaning. And he actually goes on to say in verse 19 that whoever then breaks one of the least of these commandments... In the Torah and in your the, the Old Testament, and teaches men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever doesn't teach them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You see, he's saying, hey, if someone comes and teaches that one of the very least of these laws are not important, that person will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But now, what about the rest of it? Doesn't Yeshua say that this commandment doesn't matter anymore about unclean food? Let's have a look. In 1 Timothy 4, we have the first example where it seems that that Paul writes about how there will come in those to deceive many that that will teach that we should abstain from food which God created to be received with thanksgiving. Let's have a read. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be good, minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the word of faith and of good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables, and exercise yourself towards godliness. So it really seems that Paul is saying that You know, there's going to come on people who saying you should abstain from food, which God actually gave us to be received with Thanksgiving. Don't pay attention to them. They are teaching old wise fables. Let's dig in and see what he's really trying to say here. He starts off this chapter, which with an interesting comment, he says there's going to come in people who are going to be teaching you doctrines of demons. So the next few things he's going to be talking about, he's classifying as doctrines of demons now. The first question we need to ask is, is Leviticus given by God himself to us doctrines of demons? Where God says that this is an abomination to me. Is that a doctrine of demon? No, of course not. Now, you see, he's speaking about things like forbidding to marry, which is something that, for example, the, the Catholic Church teaches their priests to do. They forbid them to marry. And But then he goes on and he talks about commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving. Now, again, in Leviticus, where God says, This is unclean to you. This is an abomination to me. Is that food which God created to be received with by, with thanksgiving? If God told us that it is an abomination and it's not really food to us? No. You see, God is actually not talking about food that he said things that he said is not food. He's talking about the things that he said are food. So if God told us, hey, you can eat a, a, a deer or you can eat, um, you know, this or that. But if someone comes and tells you you can't eat it, that's what Paul is talking about. He's talking about things that God did create for us to be received with thanksgiving. And he actually goes as far as to say, By those who believe and know the truth. What is the truth? Is Leviticus classified as truth? Yes. God's word is truth. And actually, and we actually read in the Psalm 199 verse 142, That your righteousness is righteousness forever. And your law, your Torah is truth. He goes as far as to classify the Torah, Levitic, which includes Leviticus, as being truth. So obviously, we can't be using Leviticus here and, and saying that this is what Paul is speaking about. Paul will never go against the law of God. He got, when we read further in verse 4, we he, he read that for every creature God, of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So yes, he's saying every creature is good if it is received with thanksgiving. Again, if God said this is an abomination, can we really receive that with thanksgiving? No. And he actually goes as far in the next line to say that it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. The word sanctified means set apart. So he's basically saying for this is being Set apart by the word of God and prayer. Where in the word of God is food set apart? That which we can receive with thanksgiving and that which we shouldn't receive with thanksgiving. And Leviticus, he says, this is what is clean to you. This is what you can eat. Receive this with thanksgiving. And then he makes a divide and he says, but this, he sets it apart. He says, this, this is not clean to you. This is unclean. This is an abomination to you. I don't want you to receive this. With thanksgiving. So, Paul is really speaking in the confines of what God has already established as food that we should be receiving with thanksgiving, food that He has set apart for us as food and to eat. You see, the pig, God did not say, This is food to you. He said, This is an abomination to you. While the other things, He did say, This you can eat. He ends off 1 Timothy 4 and verse 6 with. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the word of faith and of the good doctrine, which you carefully followed, but reject profane and old wives' fables and work towards godliness. As I mentioned, is this the, the, the word of God in Leviticus, old wives' fables? No. Furthermore, what is good doctrine? Because he says the good doctrine which you have been following, that you need to hold on to. What does the Word of God define as good doctrine? You see, brothers and sisters, oftentimes we like to give our own definitions to the words used in Scripture. We make, we say, good doctrine is whatever we want good doctrine to be, but good doctrine is actually defined in the Word of God very directly. And He says as uh, the following: He says, Proverbs four, verse two: For I gave you good doctrine. Do not forsake my Torah, my law. You see, the law of God is what the Word classifies as good doctrine. We need to let the Word define the Word. Next up is the famous chapter in Mark 7 or Matthew 15, both talking about the same account where it seems that Jesus says that He's declaring all foods clean. And in this account... We're going to look at what does he really mean? And it's really important for us to read these chapters and always scripture in general from the first verse or earlier on in the chapter all the way through, not to cherry pick a verse. We read the following Matthew 15, verse one. Then came to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commands of God by your tradition? Now, first, before we go further, we need to establish that God, uh, Jesus, is talking about a, about traditions of men here. He's saying, coming to the Pharisees, the Pharisees are coming to him and they're like, Why, Jesus, why do you and your disciples not wash their hands? While they eat, while you eat, before you eat. And Jesus says, well, uh, we don't keep your tradition. We keep the commandments of God. And we, are, you guys are hypocrites because you actually take the, your traditions and you keep them in spite of keeping the commandments of God. You don't keep the commandments of God, but you uphold your tradition above the commandments of God. Because see, washing your hands before you eat is never found in Scripture. It's not, a, it's not something that God instructs us to do. It can be something good to do, but it's not a command of God. And, but the scribes held it to the standard of being law. you see you see there were many oral traditions that they held above the law of God, and they even nullified the law of God by their tradition, such as the washing of hands before they ate and This is what Jesus is addressing in them. He says, "You hypocrites." Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draw nigh unto me with their mouth, and honours me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching the doctrines and the commandments of men. Do you not yet understand that whatever entered into a mouth goes into the belly, and is cast out into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defiles a man. But to eat with unwashed hands defiles not a man. You see, many use the scripture where Jesus said that whatever comes into a man does not defile him, but is that which comes out of him. That defiles him. But we so that means that, you know, we can eat whatever we want because it will not. It, 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 it's not it's not a sin it's, It doesn't matter. Jesus now is saying we can eat whatever we want. But that's not what he's talking about. He's never in this whole passage speaking about unclean food. And it's never mentioned. In fact, he is speaking about what the Pharisees came to him with. And that is eating with unwashed hands. You see, they believed the Pharisees hold on to a belief That if you ate with unwashed hands, you are making your food dirty and you're eating the food that you've made dirty with your unwashed hands. And your whole body becomes defiled by that to a place where you can't even come close to God. You can't even associate with anyone else because of that. They actually believe that if someone was unclean, you can't even talk to them. And Jesus here is saying it doesn't matter if you defile yourself by unwashed hands. It's what comes out because he was pointing towards their hypocrisy because they had all these utter sins that were actually rooted in the law of God. The things that, that, they, that they, they were disobedient to the law of God, even though they held on to these useless traditions that, 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 that they thought were more important. That's why he's saying it's you guys are hypocrites and it's these adulteries and all these things that they were doing that that were actually the things that were defiling them. It's when they're disobedient to the things of God that they're defiled, not when they're just disobedient to their tradition. Now, you may have realized that I read from the King James Version. When you look from the ESV or many other modern translations into the same account, but just in Mark 7, You may read the following. Mark 7 verse 19, Jesus says, Since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled, thus he declared all foods clean. Now, it is important to understand that this is not the correct translation. Because your Bible might even have, thus he declared all foods clean in brackets. Because it was an addition by translators. You see, Jesus never declared all foods clean in this instance. And when we read read about the account of Matthew, it's really clear that he is just talking about unwashed hands as we read in the beginning of this chapter. So he is not talking about all foods and declaring it clean. This is not at all the subject matter. But translators have inserted this into the text and it has caused incredible confusion around it. And so Jesus declaring all foods clean... It's simply not there. He never said it. Romans 14 is the next one in the New Testament that is often used to say that we can eat whatever we want. And in this chapter, it seems that Paul is saying that no one judge you on what you eat or what you don't eat, because these things aren't important. Let's have a look. Romans 14 verse one. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Now, to better understand this, we really need to look at the first verse, because he talks about those who quarrel over opinions. In other words, he's not really talking about something that is solid, like the law of God. He's talking about something that is more opinionated. And really what he is talking about is food sacrificed to idols. He is talking about an issue that has been very prevalent already in the society that he is in. And that is that when you go to the marketplace and you bought and you went to buy meat, there was a big problem in that you would never know what meat, was sacrificed to another god or another idol. And that would, can cause many to stumble because if I went to the marketplace and I'm a believer and people know me and I buy meat sacrificed to an idol, Someone who is weak in the faith, who is new, who was a pagan just before coming into the faith, who was sacrificing to those idols. They can see me as a believer now and see me buying me to sacrifice to an idol and think that I am now worshipping that idol, even if I'm not. And that can make them stumble. That's why... He says, don't make the weak stumble and don't pass judgment on those who want to eat or those who don't want to eat, those who decide we don't want to eat any meat. We just want to eat vegetables. Why? Because if the only way for you to be safe is to not eat meat at all, because there's no way of saying anymore what meat is sacrificed to an idol or not. And he actually talks more about this in 1 Corinthians 8 verse 4. And he says, And he uses the same words and the same terminology. And you will clearly see that this is really what Romans 14 is about. He says, As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world. There's there's no other God but one. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there be God's many and Lord's many, but to us there is only one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. How there is not in every man that knowledge? For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. But meat commends us not to God. For neither if we eat are we better or if we don't eat are we worse. But take heed lest by any means of this liberty of yours might become a stumbling block of those who are weak. Wherefore if meat make my brother stumble or offends him. I will eat no flesh while in the world stands lest I make my brother stumble. He's saying, I won't eat meat. I'll only eat vegetables. What else are you going to eat? There's just vegetables, right? So he's basically using the same words. And he's saying, don't judge someone who eats or someone who doesn't eat. For God knows. He's saying, we all know there is one God. We know that there's not many idols or whatever. There's just one God. These idols are are false. But so we can, it doesn't matter if we eat the meat sacrificed to idols. Because we know there's only one God. We're not worshipping that idol as long as we don't make anyone else stumble. And so he's basically coming down and he's just repeating this and saying, don't judge someone on whether they eat just vegetables, decide like they don't want to eat any meat or they want to eat meat. It doesn't matter. This is an opinion. It is about your conscience. It's about how you feel that if you feel like you're going to get, you're going to stumble by eating meat, sacrificed to an idol that you maybe once served years ago, then don't. It's your opinion and you're welcome to do whichever. And that's what he really is talking about. And he goes on in Romans 14 and actually says, I know and I'm persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteems anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if your brother is grieved by your meat, now walks thou not be destroy not him with your meat for whom Christ died. He's saying, don't offend someone or don't make someone stumble by eating meat sacrificed to an idol and making them think that you are now eating, you are now worshipping that idol and making them now stumble thinking thinking that they can also worship that idol. And and so when he's talking about that there is nothing unclean of itself, he is again, he's talking about meat that is made unclean because it was sacrificed to an idol. Because again... The Pharisees had a belief that if you had meat that was sacrificed to an idol, then that, and you ate of that, you would be defiled. You would be unclean. And then that is why Paul needs to address this. He says, it doesn't matter. You are holding on to tradition again. And how do I know that he's not talking about unclean food here? Because the word unclean used there is the word koinos. And it's actually different from the word that is that is supposed to be used there if it was referring to food. Let me show you what I mean. You see, in Acts 11, verse 8, Peter uses both words in the same sentence, both unclean and common. There are two words that are used that are very important to understand so we can better understand what Paul is talking about in Romans. The word used in Romans is the word koinos. And it really means to be traditionally or ceremonially common. And really this word usually in English it's tr- in our English language it's translated as common. But in this instance in Romans this is the only instance in the Bible where it was actually translated as unclean, which is an incorrect translation. It should actually read that nothing is common of itself. Nothing is traditionally or ceremonially Unclean, if you will, of itself, but it goes on to say it is unclean to whoever deems it unclean. See, nothing a food is not um, is not common if it, if it was sacrificed to an idol, unless it is uncom is common to you, and it will defile your conscience. And the more the the word that had to be used to refer to food is the word akathartos, and that is the word. Unclean, and it really refers to a moral uncleanness, such as in accordance to the Levitical laws, you see Archarchis refers to moral uncle- morally unclean, as in this is a sin or coin simply means like i'm dirty, i didn't take a bath today, or you know, which is not a sin necessarily it's just I'm, I'm, I'm just dirty. I'm just unclean. But it's not the same kind of unclean as archathonton, which means morally unclean. To make this simple, koinos is the word for common, which refers to ceremonially or traditionally unclean, according to maybe the beliefs of the Pharisees as it was used in this context. While archathonton refers to the word unclean, Which refers to the moral uncleanness of when we break the law of God. Therefore, so common refers to eating meat sacrificed to idols, um, eating with unwashed hands, or any traditions or things that, you know, we can say, oh, yes, we can get dirty by that, but it's not a sin and it's not defined in God's law usually. While we have the word for unclean, archathonton. Which is the word used when we are talking about the Levitical laws of God. Now the word that was used in Romans is the word koinos. Which simply means unclean or common according to tradition. And this takes us back to the vision of Peter. Because Peter saw this vision of these animals coming down on a sheet. And God says rice Peter kill and eat. And oftentimes this story has been used to say, well, look, Peter was allowed to eat whatever he wanted, so why can't we? Well, we need to really understand that what Peter experienced was a vision or a dream. So we cannot interpret that dream any way we want. We need to look at how did Peter interpret his own dream? How What did God show him about this dream? Because we would rather want to get his opinion on it. Isn't that right? And so we actually see that Peter comes and when, when God shows him all this, Peter says, No, Lord, I can't do this. I have never touched anything that is common or unclean, anything that is koinos or archithonton, anything that is unclean according to the tradition of the elders or the Pharisees, even that or unclean according to your law in Leviticus. And so what the reason God is showing Peter this vision because God is calling Peter to visit Cornelius and his uh, household. And he can't spread the gospel to Cornelius because Peter's got this idea, this Pharisee mindset, again, not from God, but a Pharisee idea that if someone eats unclean or if someone does anything, doesn't wash their hands before they eat or anything like that, then I, then Peter can't associate with him. that's what Peter got still in the back of his mind because he still believed the laws of, of, of the circumcision party, if you will. And God then comes... And shows him this. But then God shows Peter what the truth is. What does the vision really mean? And he tells him this. He says, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. You see, he's saying, OK, you guys know there's a law in the land, a law of the Pharisees, that a Jew is not allowed to associate with any other person because you guys are unclean and all that usually. But God has shown me that I shouldn't do that. God has shown me I should not call anyone common or unclean, but that a man is not made or unclean in, in that way. You see, and if the The problem was that if Peter didn't shake free from this mindset, he would never be able to spread the gospel to anyone else except for a Jew because he wouldn't be able to come in contact with them. So, God has shown him the sheet coming down and saying, Peter, kill, rise, and eat. It's not physically so Peter goes and eat, it's to show, to, to communicate to him that it is okay to visit Cornelius because we need to read that story in context. It's okay to visit Cornelius because I am making it all right. It's, it's not a problem for you to interact with them. Peter, he didn't, this was not Peter's lullaby to not eat whatever he wants. And in fact, think about this for a second, guys. Peter dwelled with Jesus before all of this, long before this. And Jesus never for one moment tell, told any of his disciples, and I mean, Peter never got the memo. That he can eat wherever he wants with Jesus. Because he they didn't eat unclean food. They never touched it. They didn't sin because unclean, like we mentioned, archithonton, that unclean refers to a moral problem. A, a sin when we are disobedient to the law of God. Like we said, 1 John 3 verse 4 states that sin is the transgression of the law. And so if they did eat pork and whatever they wanted, they would be in sin and in transgression of the one Jesus would not even be able to die for us because he would have to sin on him, which we know he didn't. So he never touched unclean food, nor the Peter and nor did any of the other disciples or those who they taught. You see, yes, many came in from paganism and all kinds of other beliefs. And they partook, and, and like those pagans who Yeshua cast at the demons into their pigs so the pigs can die. You see, Yeshua was trying to show you stop eating something that's unclean because you're making yourself attractive to death. God knows that it, it is like a, a common thing that if you eat death all day long, what will happen to you? Death, curses will come upon you we have can even proven science that how how you cannot even get rid of all the worms in pork no matter how much you cook it no matter how much no matter what it is not possible there will always be leftovers and many people get disease get worms in them because they eat it even in our modern medicine it doesn't matter god is smarter than we are and really, a lot of this misunderstanding has come because we don't understand what happened in the day. We don't understand that there, was, there were different laws. There were laws of the land like what the Jews held on to. And there were laws from God. And these weren't necessarily the same thing. Like we read, the washing of unwashed hands and calling some man unclean. No, someone who is a pagan and who eats pork, we can't call him unclean and say, I'm not going to talk to you, I'm not going to touch him. I'm not going to come near you. I'm not going to minister to the gospel to you because of that. No, that's not what God's word is about. But we will later be like, hey, now that you come into cover, now that you first have faith, because we're saved by faith, we're not saved by works, we're not saved by these things. But now that we come and we have faith in Yeshua, in Jesus, we love him. Now we're going to start walking like he walked. How did he walk? We already mentioned and talked about it. He walked in obedience to his father's law, including Leviticus 11. And we also read in future prophetic writings about what God thinks of those who eat unclean food. And you see, this not only now refers to back then, or this refers to the future. Watch this. In Isaiah 65 verse 2, we read this. I have held out my hands all day long to stubborn people who walk in a way that is not good after their own thoughts. The people who provoke me continually to my face, who slaughter in gardens to burn incense on slaughter places of brick, who sit among the burial sites and spend the night in secret places, who eat the flesh of pigs, the broth of unclean meat is in their pots, who say, Keep to your subject, come near me, for I am set apart, I am holy to you. These are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all day long. You see, God says that. There's these people that he's talking about in Isaiah that will say, oh, we're holy, we're set apart, don't come near us. Yet they partake in unclean food. Unclean meat is in their pots. The pig, etc. And God says that these are smoke in his nostrils. And he he combines this characteristic of unclean food with these people. Furthermore, we read about the Ezekiel Temple, a temple that has not yet been built in Ezekiel 44. And how do we know this temple has not been here yet? It's because this temple that is described in Ezekiel 44, which I encourage you to read, is bigger than any temple that has ever been built for God. There's no way that it's ever existed. And we read about it here and he says, And they are to teach my people the difference between the set apart and the profane. And make them know what is unclean and clean. And they are to stand as judges in a dispute and judge it according to my right ruling. And they are to guard my Torah, my law, and my appointed festivals. And set apart my Sabbaths. You see, God says that there's going to come a time where I'm going to set apart people who are going to be like judges. And they're going to teach my people the difference between the clean and the unclean. Teach my people my law, my rulings, my Torah, and he actually says to teach him what this the set apartness of what is clean, unclean. Where is that taught in his word? In Leviticus. You see, God calls us to be set apart, to be different from this world, to be holy. You see, we're not saved by this. We're not saved by how we eat, not at all. But. God calls us to help. when we, after we have faith in his show, we say, Lord, you need to save us, and he comes with his blood and he covers us and gives us salvation. Now we need to go and say, Okay, Father, how did you walk? Jesus, how how do I walk like you? And see, that's what God expects because he's coming back for a bride equally yoked with him. You see, a disciple means to walk just like he walked in everywhere. It means to walk, talk, look, everything. And eat like him. And so I want to encourage you that, you know, I have not eaten unclean food for years now. And my health ever since I made the shift has increased exponentially because God said, as God said, I lay before you today a blessing and a curse, life and death. I choose life is what he said. Choose a life. Be obedient to my thing, my, my instructions, because they've been designed to bless you. God made the heavens and the earth. He ought to know what is good for us. Revelation 18 verse 4, and we end off with, And I heard another voice from the heavens saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. You see, many times we would Ask, why, God, do we receive the plagues of Egypt? Why do we, or do things not go, well? why do we have curses, even when we believe in Jesus? You see, you can have belief in Jesus, still be disobedient to what He told us to be obedient to. He said in Matthew 5, I bring before you, my Lord, I did not come to abolish it. Don't think that. And whoever teaches that the least of these commands are abolished will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And not one jot or tittle will be abolished until heaven and earth passes away. Heaven and earth is still here, brother and sister, and God calls us to that. It will give you life and freedom. And the reason I'm telling you, is so I desire for you to have life and life more abundantly in Jesus. So if this is new to you, I'm sure you go to the Father and say, Father, it's what P.D. said true. And he will come with his spirit and he will convict you of whether what I said was truth or not. But see it it, it demands and it requires of us to go in humility and seek his heart over the matter. May God bless you and keep you and give you shalom grace and mercy. And I'll see you guys in the next video.